One of the questions entering this offseason for the Orioles was, would they bring back any of their five free agents? And well, we almost have the full answer right there as two more of them have signed elsewhere. We'll get to that, plus a small extension potentially for Danny Coulomb. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. And welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to get to some more Orioles news and notes. Danny Coulomb has reached an agreement for his contract number for 2024 with the O's, avoiding arbitration. But not just that, there's also a club option, which could bring him back even for 2025, despite the fact that he was initially going to be a free agent after this season. And then two... 2023 Orioles, Adam Frazier and Aaron Hicks, both veterans, both were free agents, both have signed one-year deals elsewhere. We'll get into where they signed, why they signed there, and if the O's should have had any interest in bringing either of those guys back. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers can join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets with your first bet of $5, and if it wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. So let's jump in with this one and start with Danny Coulomb. Now, out of all the news we're going to talk about today, this might be the most exciting because Danny Coulomb kind of came out of nowhere, if we're being honest, to be a huge contributor to this Orioles team in 2023. The O's, a day before opening day in late March, made a small trade with the Minnesota Twins, basically sending cash to Minnesota and getting this 33-year-old left-handed reliever named Danny Coulomb. Now, he had been around, he'd been with the A's and the Dodgers and others before settling in Minnesota for a few years, and we looked at him and said, okay, you know, he's had some success at the big league level, and he'd been around the bigs. I think he debuted in 2015, so he's got, like, that veteran presence. The Orioles felt like they maybe could use another lefty but you were looking at it and you just said, you know, he just got major hip surgery. He had barely pitched at all for Minnesota in 2022. And that was the big reason why they essentially DFA'd him. They did not give him a spot in their opening day bullpen and got a little cash for him instead of just putting him on waivers. And we thought, you know, this might be a guy, I mean, maybe what is he? He spends a couple of weeks with the O's and then he's DFA'd. I didn't think much of the move at all at the beginning of the year. And then all of a sudden, Danny Coulomb was awesome for the Orioles last season. I mean, he was the lefty they needed when CNL Perez was struggling early in the year, Perez, who was so great in 2022, took a large step back in the first half of the season last year, and the Orioles did not have that other go-to lefty because D.L. Hall was kind of still rehabbing and down in the minor leagues, and they turned to Coulomb, and he was awesome. 61 appearances for Danny Coulomb in 2023. He did have one stint on the injured list, it was a very short one, but otherwise he would have pitched in even more games. He threw 51 and a third innings and had a 2.81 ERA for the Orioles, a 28% strikeout rate is well above league average, a 6% walk rate well below league average. I mean, he was just one of the better middle relievers in all of baseball last year. And, and you add that to the fact that, I mean, listen, he was giving up just soft contact all year. There was a point in the second half where Danny Coulomb had the lowest average exit velocity against him among any pitcher 
in baseball, and he finished top 10 in that category across you know the, the lowest hard hit percentage, highest soft contact percentage, average exit velocity, all that good stuff. It was basically a lot of pop-ups and slow ground balls that got hit against Eddie Coulomb, and he upped his strikeout rate from usual. And that all culminated in best season of his career. It was the second most innings he's ever thrown in one season, but was by far the best season of his big league career. Now, on the flip side, he is now 34 years old. He's a guy who certainly doesn't throw super hard. I mean, you're looking at fastballs 91, you know, maybe 92 when he's gearing things up. But it's all about the breaking balls for Danny Coulomb, the different kinds of sliders and curveballs. I think he throws two different sliders, two different curveballs. Kind of one's kind of like a cutter. It's all of that. You want to call him a junk baller, but he's not quite that. He's not like an old school starter. He knows how to attack hitters. And that was a huge player development win for the Orioles, and they reward him with potentially a little more money. So Coulomb was one of the four remaining players for the Orioles who was likely headed to arbitration to figure out their salary number for 2024. And luckily, the O's and Coulomb came to an agreement before they had to go to that third party and agreed that Danny Coulomb would make $2.3 million in 2024. Now, 2024 was set to be Coulomb's final year before free agency. He was going to be a free agent after this year, his final year in arbitration. And it's nice to know that the Orioles filed at $2.2 million. Coulomb filed at $2.4 million. Obviously, they came to an agreement right down the middle and did not go to a large spat, basically in court, over $200,000. It's nice to see that they didn't do that. But the other good thing about this Coulomb news is that the Orioles added on a club option for 2025 when they made this deal. Now, you may remember they did the very similar thing with CNL Perez a couple weeks ago when they made the agreement with him on arbitration. But the difference with Perez is he is under contract through 2026 no matter what. The club option just gave the Orioles like a little more peace of mind on what exactly his salary will be for 2025. For Coulomb, he was going to be a free agent. So if the Orioles do, in fact, pick up this club option, which would be worth $4 million for 2025, again, not very expensive for a reliever that was as good as Danny Coulomb last year, this could be, again, if they pick up the club option, it's all up to the Orioles, it's their choice, the first quote-unquote extension that Mike Elias has given out to a player since taking over. Now, again, this is about the lowest level of something you can even kind of call an extension, but it technically would be because to me, if Danny Coulomb is, doesn't even have to be as good as he was in 2023. If he's just close to what he was in his 2024 season, the Orioles are going to pick up that club option because if you can get a reliever hovering around a three ERA, giving you 60 plus appearances, for $4 million, you're going to do it. Because if Danny Coulomb hits the open market, he's going to be a guy who, if he's pitching this well, even though he will be 35 years old when he hits free agency, is going to command five, six, seven, eight million million on a one-year deal. So if you can get it for $4 million and you've got a penny-pinching owner like John Angelos, that works out well for the Orioles. Now, there are some escalators on that club option where I think if he goes all the way up to 65 appearances, that number can go up to $4.9 million, so he can make even more and you know, it'd be more than he's made in his entire career, which is a win for Coulomb and a win for the Orioles as well. And again, it's not a guaranteed extension because it is a club option. The, the Orioles would still have to say yes to it. If Danny Coulomb, you know, kind of falls off a cliff, goes back to what he was in Minnesota, really struggles this year, the Orioles will decline the option and just make him a free agent after this season, which he would have been anyway. But again, if he's anything close to last year, they've got a good cheap reliever for $4 million in 2025. And I know it seems like almost nothing. It's a middle reliever. It's $4 million. 
But the Orioles have done so little with paying their own guys and extending them beyond their free agent years that even though it's Coulomb, a guy who just joined the organization less than a year ago, it's kind of nice to see. Yes, I get the bar is on the floor and they're barely clearing it right here, but it is nice to see them do something like this, bring back Coulomb, a guy who really helped them. And he continues with just this big three, it seems like the Orioles have of left-handed relievers with Danny Coulomb, D.L. Hall, and C.N.L. Perez. And, you know, I'm feeling different levels of good about each of them going into this year, but they all seem to be locks for the 2024 bullpen unless Hall really surprises and wins a starting spot out of spring training. And that's a really good spot to be in with your left-handed relievers. And, you know, you still have Cole Irvin and Keegan Aiken and Tucker Davidson and others in the mix for some of those spots, but these three... Looking really, really good for the O's in terms of left-handed relievers in their bullpen. And the other thing, all of those three guys, and again, this is assuming Hall ends up in the bullpen too, all these three guys can do a multitude of roles out of the pen. I mean, if you remember in the postseason, Coulomb was like the first guy coming out of the bullpen, you know, third, fourth, fifth inning. Brandon Hyde would go immediately to Danny Coulomb to get them out of jams, and he did it multiple times throughout the season. But Coulomb, Perez, and Hall were also all given at least one save opportunity in 2023. So they can do anything from multi-inning relief, middle relief, setup guy, and closer. And that is huge to have successful and versatile relievers and all as lefties in your bullpen. And even better, all three of these lefties can get right-handers out too. It's one of the best group of lefties in a bullpen in baseball. So with the agreement with Coulomb, the Orioles now just have three arbitration eligible players left to come to an agreement with for 2024 those players are austin hayes ryan o'hearn and jacob webb for o'hearn you can kind of tell why they're they're going to this number you know he's going to be a free agent after this year with webb he's currently on the roster bubble that is probably why the orioles are, are standing a little more firm the austin hayes one is the most disappointing one i mean hayes not a free agent until after 2025 he's you know, came to the big leagues in 2017. He has been through the valleys of this rebuild, has been a big part of your team for years now, homegrown guy. I especially do not want to see the Orioles go to an arbitration hearing with Austin Hayes because those hearings can get contentious and teams will try and knock players down right to their faces just to save, you know, a half million dollars. I really hope that they can come to an agreement with all three of these guys, but specifically Hayes knowing He's going to be around for a little longer and means a lot more to this Orioles organization. But with Danny Coulomb sticking around for hopefully at least two more years here, the Orioles lost one of their key contributors in 2023. And I would put Danny Coulomb up there as maybe the top five biggest positive surprises for the 2023 Orioles. One of the top five guys that really came out of nowhere almost to help this team win 101 games. And another guy I'd put in that exact same category is Aaron Hicks, who the Orioles essentially signed off the street in late May, and he was huge for the Orioles getting them into the postseason. But Hicks will not be in Baltimore in 2024. We'll talk about where he signed, why he did it, and if the O's should have maybe considered bringing Aaron Hicks back for next season. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Factor Meals. You can get started on your resolution with Factor, so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. 
With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. And you can forget frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals, all delivered right to your door. So head to factormeals.com slash locked on MLB50 and use code locked on MLB50 to get 50% off. That's code locked on MLB50 at factormeals.com slash locked on MLB50 to get 50% off. So we're back here on an Orioles news and notes episode as Danny Coulomb could be back for Another two years in an Orioles uniform, but one guy that will not be back is Aaron Hicks. And that became official on Monday as Hicks signed a one-year Major League deal with the Los Angeles Angels. Now, Aaron Hicks, we know, is still being paid by the Yankees. He is still in the midst of that seven-year, $70 million extension he got from the Yankees, which runs through 2025. So not only this year will he get $10 million from the Yankees, but next year. He'll get $10 million from the Yankees as well, and it was pretty nice the Yankees to pay Aaron Hicks $10 million to beat up on them and to help the Orioles win the AL East. I, I thank them for that from last season. But Aaron Hicks, I mean, we got to give like the, the final thank you to Hicks because he's going to go to Anaheim and most likely, you never know what could happen, but most likely probably don't see Aaron Hicks in an Orioles uniform. Again, he is most likely trending towards the end of his career, unless, of course... What he did in Baltimore last year after being signed was kind of a career renaissance for Aaron Hicks. He was really good early in his career with the Twins, with the Yankees, got the extension. Then things kind of started to fall apart. And truly, I mean, it was not fun for Hicks in New York being booed by the Yankee fans, had a couple of really, really bad offensive years, and they were just completely ready to get him out of there. And they released him early in the season And that was to the Orioles' benefit. When Cedric Mullins went on the injury list for the first time with that groin injury in late May, the Orioles looked around and said Colton Kowser would be the easy replacement. He is injured in AAA right now. And they just weren't trusting that they could put Ryan McKenna out there almost every day, which I totally understand. And so they looked around and said Aaron Hicks is out there, called his agent, and boom, Hicks was in Baltimore for a one-year deal. And he was spectacular. 65 games in an Oriole uniform, 236 plate appearances for Hicks. Hit 275 with a 381 on base, 425 slugging. That's good for a 129 WRC+. Aaron Hicks was 29% better than a league average hitter after he signed with the Orioles. He had seven homers. He had a super high 15% walk rate, only a 20% strikeout rate. He was one of the best hitters on the team. Like From the time that the Orioles signed, May 30th on for Aaron Hicks. He was the third best hitter on the Orioles by WRC+. Only Gunnar Henderson and Ryan Mountcastle were better than Aaron Hicks factoring in WRC+, from the time that he was signed until the end of the season. He was better than Adley Rutschman, which is kind of the number one name that shocks you. He was better than Anthony Santander. He was better than Austin Hayes. He was a huge producer at the plate. For the Orioles. And he also gets paid just the league minimum because he's already making $10 million from the Yankees. So all it takes to sign him is a league minimum deal. And that's what the Angels did. And that's what the Orioles could have done as well to bring him back for a year. And I get it, right? He was terrible with the Yankees for multiple seasons before they finally released him. And it looked like he was completely cooked 
offensively and his defense was heading in the wrong direction. He wasn't the elite center fielder that he used to be in his 20s, especially when he was with Minnesota. And he's now 34 years old. Like, I understand it. He's not the same player. He had two different stints on the IL when he was with the Orioles. Like, even while Cedric Mullins was out, there were multiple times where Hicks was out too, and the Orioles had to to go to Kowser and go to McKenna and go to Jorge Mateo or Austin Hayes to play some center field just to get through last season. But to me, with how good he was, I wouldn't have minded Theo's trying to bring him back. I honestly was kind of a fan of giving him a similar deal that the Angels gave him, just a one-year deal on the league minimum to see what he can do. And he'll have some playing time in Anaheim. Obviously, Mike Trout is there in their outfield. They also got Taylor Ward, but he's coming back from getting hit in the face by a pitch in the middle of last year and, and missed the rest of the season. And then they've got Mickey Moniak and Joe Adele, who will probably platoon, but both were highly rated prospects who have had a lot of question marks about their game when they've gotten to the big league level. So there are at-bats to be had in the Angels outfield. Hicks is also from California. He's from that area, so it makes sense that he would go out there maybe back home for the final couple years of his career as he gets into his mid to late 30s. That all makes sense, but it makes you think that if the O's really felt like they wanted to bring in another bat, they might have gone after Hicks because of how good he was last year, and maybe the Orioles just didn't have the interest. I mean, I would have had the interest in Aaron Hicks. Mike Elias has still said this offseason if they're going to bring in another bat, it would be a right-handed hitting outfielder. Now, Hicks is a switch hitter, but he's an outfielder who was on your team and can hit from the right side. And if you're arguing, oh, why would you bring in Aaron Hicks? He would just block at bats from Heston Kerstad and Colton Kowser. Really, the position that Aaron Hicks would take would take up the roster spot that's inevitably going to go to, at least on opening day, to either Ryan McKenna or Sam Hilliard. It seems like at this point, the Orioles are most likely going to give a roster spot to one of those two guys, unless Kowser and Kerstad really impress in spring training, and Kowser shows he can play center field, and Jorge Mateo shows he can play the outfield. I think that's the only way that both McKenna and Hilliard don't end up on the opening day roster as kind of the fifth outfielder. Right now... Aaron Hicks is better than those two guys. I think as the fifth outfielder would make the Orioles better than Sam Hilliard or Ryan McKenna would. And to me, like you're not committing any money to him at all. You're giving him the league minimum. If he continues to produce at the level he did last year, great. You know, keep giving you know, not in a regular at-bats, but get him in the lineup when you can. Have him come off the bench, defensive replacement, pinch hitter, because he can hit from both sides. Like do some things for you. And if it doesn't work out, well, it's okay to DFA a guy like that and say it's not working out, you know, Colton Kowser's ready to go, here we go, give the ABs to Kowser. But I do think Kowser will probably spend a little more time in AAA Norfolk this year, and to make up for those at-bats, why not give them to Aaron Hicks? And here's the other thing, I had heard from multiple different people how big an impact Aaron Hicks had on that Orioles clubhouse when he got there in late May. He was a huge veteran voice in that clubhouse for a team that was kind of realizing how good it can be, and he helped them immensely, not just on the field, because he was good there, but off the field as well to help them win that division last year. Would have loved to see Aaron Hicks back. I'm not saying in a huge role, just more of a bench role. Again, better than McKenna, better than Hilliard. But clearly he saw more at-bats closer to home with the Angels. And I don't blame him. He probably would get more at-bats and, again, would be back in California. But just wanted to say a big thank you to Aaron Hicks because the Orioles were in trouble when Cedric Mullins went down with that injury because Mullins was playing really well. And even when Mullins came back, remember, from the injuries, Cedric Mullins was not good. Even when he was back on the field after the groin injuries, Aaron Hicks stepped in and was huge. And I understand there are some Orioles fans who have a sour taste in their mouth about Aaron Hicks. I know he was at the plate when there was the supposed missed hit and run sign 
when Gunnar Henderson was caught stealing in the ninth inning of a one-run game in game one of the ALDS. I understand that. But remember, in the very next game in game two, Hicks drove in five runs in that game two loss, including Aaron Hicks really had the one and only clutch hit that anyone had for the Orioles when they were swept by the Rangers in the ALDS. That was the two-run, two-out single that he had in the first inning of Game 2 with the bases loaded when the Orioles just could not break through with any big hit in Game 1. And finally, Hicks delivered to give the O's a 2-0 lead in Game 2. Of course, things didn't go well after that. He did hit a three-run homer in the ninth as well to make the game a little closer, but... He was one of the only guys who showed up offensively in that playoff series. I just think he was a big part of this Orioles team. But I do understand that, hey, sometimes guys play a role for you one year, and then it's more like lightning in a bottle, especially when they're veterans. Think Nate McClouth, how big a role he played in 2012. Orioles brought him back in 2013. He didn't even finish the season in 2013 with the O's. Just didn't have it anymore. It was lightning in a bottle. Alejandro Deaza. And Delman Young for the Orioles in 2014. Both played huge roles down the stretch for that team. They brought them both back in 2015. Both were DFA'd in 2015. They just, they didn't have the same kind of juice. Michael Bourne in 2016 was a huge addition for the Orioles. Just, he was kind of at the end of his career. Didn't bring him back for 2017 because it just wasn't there anymore. So I get some of these guys will step in and play these roles. And that's about it. It was just fun to see Aaron Hicks do that, and at least fun to see him homer at Yankee Stadium, kind of have a little resurgence in his career, and wish him the best. Hope the resurgence continues for him in an Angels uniform. But one more Orioles free agent who has signed elsewhere. This one in Adam Frazier, I wasn't as keen on bringing back, and I don't really think anyone else was. We'll talk about why that is and how he fits with the Royals to finish off the pod. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. And yes, Ravens fans, cover your ears. This ad is going to be about football, and unfortunately, it is, uh, well, happy Super Bowl time to all those who celebrate. I'm certainly not celebrating at the moment, but happy Super Bowl time from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, and maybe like me because you're not as interested in the game itself this year, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and maybe placing some super bets. I wish I could place a bet on a way that both teams could lose in the Super Bowl. Doesn't seem possible, but we will see. FanDuel, though, has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but also FanDuel has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. And new customers, you can join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So to finish things up here today on an Orioles news and notes episode, I wanted to talk about Adam Frazier because Aaron Hicks was not the only Orioles free agent who signed elsewhere this week. Adam Frazier did so as well, inking a one-year $4.5 million deal with the Kansas City Royals. For Frazier, he's kind of been bouncing around for a while. You know, he started his career with the Pirates, but then, you know, he was traded to the Padres in 2020, and then he went to Seattle, and then he went to Baltimore, and now he's going to Kansas City. Because over the last few years, his offense just has not been what it was early on in his time with Pittsburgh, and then in some of his time with San Diego as well. Now, clearly, the $4.5 million salary and the fact that he's signing with 
I think what we can all agree is a non-contender in the Royals really tells you how much of a struggle it's been the last two years for Frazier. He kind of had the worst year of his career in Seattle in 2022, but many thought it could have been an aberration. You know, he finished the season better, had a good playoffs. The Orioles bring him in on a one-year $8 million deal last offseason to kind of have him be the veteran in the infield, be a guy with, you know, a very high floor. You know what you're going to get out of him. And then they didn't really get what you usually get out of Adam Frazier. Now, don't get me wrong. He was better in Baltimore this year than he was in Seattle in 2022. He took a step back up on the offensive rung. But he was just a very different player. And I continue to say the Orioles just did not get what they paid for in Adam Frazier in 2023. 141 games, 455 plate appearances, hit just 240 with a 300 on base and a 396 slugging percentage 7% walk rate was one of the lowest of his career 15% strikeout rate was one of the highest of his career remember Adam Frazier kind of the slap hitter guy like you know doesn't strike out puts the ball in play doesn't hit for a lot of power but hits for average and gets on base instead he hit a career high 13 homers which was kind of a, a new Adam Frazier and the weird part about it was Frazier had the 13 homers by the end of July on August 1st Frazier had by far a career high in 13 homers and then he did not homer for the final two months of the season. Now, some of that was the fact that his playing time was starting to get cut. Jordan Westberg was in the majors and settling in, and they were more so platooning at that point, and Frazier was was not in there every day like he was earlier in the season for the Orioles. But he just was not the same player. He, he kind of sold out for more power. He hit less. He got on base less. And his defense completely tanked. I mean, he was a good defensive second baseman early in his career, had gone into more of a, you know, a little above average, like a solid defensive second baseman. And then this year, negative 15 outs above average at second base. He graded out in terms of outs above average by StatCast as one of the worst defensive players in baseball this year. Now, if you watch him, the eye test, I don't think would say that's one of the worst defensive infielders in the league, but the stats kind of say it. And he didn't absolutely look great there. I would say, and, and certainly was not nearly as good as when you put, you know, Ramon Arias or Jordan Westberg at second base for the O's. So you could just tell it was a one-year thing. It was not going to continue to work out. And the O's just have too many infielders already with Mateo and Arias and Westberg and Henderson and hopefully Jackson Holiday all on this roster. And, you know, you got the guys like Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby and Kobe Mayo all knocking on the door for the O's. And then Frazier did play a little bit of left field and right field. He's versatile like that for the Orioles. But there's just not room on the roster for a guy who especially – I mean, wasn't creating offensively, had just a 93 WRC plus. He was still a below average big league hitter with bad defense. And you can see it, his salary with the Royals got cut in half from what it was with the Orioles. Again, I think that's just because he started to kind of move in the wrong direction, I'll say, at this point in his career. Now, it's a little bit of a weird fit with the Royals as well. I mean, it makes more sense. They're still kind of a rebuilding team. They need some kind of veteran leadership. It's not like he's the most vocal leader in the world. He's more of a like vanilla milk toast kind of guy, Adam Frazier. But they do have some young guys like like Michael Massey and, and others. I think they want to get into the lineup. Um, Mikel Garcia, obviously Bobby Witts at shortstop. So I don't think Adam Frazier is going to get every day at bats with the Kansas City Royals, but he'll play a lot and he'll give him a veteran in the lineup and I don't think there was a lot of suitors for a major league deal for Adam Frazier, so at least good for him to still get a big league deal with Kansas City, and I hope for him he kind of figures it out and becomes the hitter he was in Pittsburgh. The Pirates were actually also interested in bringing him back. He he just wasn't that hitter for the Orioles last year, and I think we were all in agreement, especially by the end of the season when he was more of a, a rotational player anyway, that he just wasn't a guy that the O's 
we're going to bring back. So at this point, you have Kyle Gibson signing a one-year deal with the Cardinals. You have Jack Flaherty signing a one-year deal with the Tigers. And then Aaron Hicks, his one-year deal with the Angels. And Adam Frazier's one-year deal with the Royals. That leaves just one remaining free agent from the 2023 Orioles, and that is Shintaro Fujinami, who came over at the trade deadline from the Athletics in his first year in the U.S., coming over from Japan on a one-year deal with Oakland. There basically has been no rumors at all about Fuji this offseason. There was the talk late in the year that, you know, he still wanted to sign a deal to become a starting pitcher. He came over to the A's as a starter. It didn't work out. They moved him to the bullpen and then traded him to the O's as a reliever. Of course, the Orioles used him as exclusively a bullpen piece down the stretch, and it was certainly a roller coaster ride for Fuji. But he was left off the playoff roster, and there were a lot of questions about him. And would I still take a chance on Fuji on maybe a minor league deal? Of course I would, because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Fastball above 100, a devastating splitter. Like, I'd love to see that get a chance to win a spot in the O's bullpen in spring training. But if Fuji wants to be a starter, the Orioles are just gonna, not going to give him a guaranteed contract for him to try and do that. So hopefully he finds a spot on a big league roster if he's still looking for that. He may go back to Japan. We'll see. But he is kind of the one final free agent left out there from the Orioles last season. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Going to hit the mailbag, it looks like, later this week. You can send in your questions to LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com or drop your questions right here in the YouTube comments and make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. We'll be back later in the week in February, actually. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.